from brick kilns in Bangladesh to raw coal burning for cooking and heating in Mongolia, Asian cities are exposed to different sources and levels of hazardous air pollutants that affect the environment and the health and economic well-being of people. Where does air pollution come from? What are the impacts of poor air quality? And how are cities and countries dealing with the challenges? In this first episode of Clean Air Asia's podcast, On Air, we're talking to five air quality experts in Bangladesh, Mongolia, Nepal, the Philippines, and Thailand about air quality in their cities. I'm Glinda Bathan Baterina, Deputy Executive Director of Clean Air Asia, and I'm hosting today's episode. In this series, we'll be taking an in-depth look at a range of air quality issues in Asia across different sectors and at some of the steps being taken to reduce air pollution. Today, we're talking with Dr. Supat Wangwang Watana, a lecturer in public health at Thammasat University in Thailand and former director of the Pollution Control Department. Masood Rana, an air quality researcher from Bangladesh. Vidya Pradhan, program coordinator at ISIMOD in Nepal. Engineer Noel Hachanova, head of the City Environmental and Natural Resources Office in Iloilo City, Philippines. And Dr. Ladaisamba Seretir, as senior researcher at the German-Mongolian Institute for Resources and Technology in Mongolia. But first, what do we mean by air quality? Air quality is the measure of how clean or polluted the air is in a given location. Air quality management refers to the activities a regulatory authority undertakes to protect human health and the environment from the harmful effects of air pollution. Dr. Supat, let's start with Thailand. According to a Stockholm Environment Institute report, Thailand's air quality has seen some improvements over the last decade with reductions of certain major pollutants. Other pollutants, however, still do exceed the World Health Organization's guidelines. Part of this can be attributed to better air quality management. What is Thailand doing differently in air quality management that can be emulated by other countries? Hello, everyone. With regard to the question by Brenda, what Thailand uh, has been done differently uh, so that the air quality uh, in, in Thailand seemed to be uh, improved uh, in the last decade. I think the most important thing that we, we have done in Thailand is that we have been spending a lot of time to uh, gather and develop uh, scientific information and uh, scientific information then being used uh, to develop, formulate uh, policies and measures uh, to address air pollution in Thailand. 
what do I mean uh, about scientific information? Uh, for example, uh, the level of air quality. Uh, that that is the the, the necessary thing to do uh, to know on the level of air quality, the level of pollution, the type of pollution, air pollutant uh, in the area, uh, so that we can address uh, the the major major uh, air pollutant which are causing the health effect. So we are gathering a lot of information, expanding uh, our air quality monitoring network in Thailand. Uh, so far, uh, we have more than uh, 64 air quality monitoring uh, nationwide, and that is operated by the Pollution Control uh, Department. And we also have a few more monitoring station operated by the cities, uh, in particular, the city of Bangkok. The city of Bangkok installed in every district monitoring of PM 2.5, a total of more than almost close to 60 monitoring point of PM 2.5. So we, we have a, a very extensive uh, air quality uh, monitoring network and it actually provides uh, air quality data level of uh, pollutant air pollutant on on an hourly basis you know, we, we can show hourly concentration of, of uh, air pollutant and uh, the 24 every hour average concentration as well uh, it is a running average for example, from today at one o'clock, it will be 24 hours uh, between yesterday one o'clock until uh, today one o'clock. Uh, we can see that kind of information on an hourly basis. It responds to the uh, level of the pollution uh, much quicker, much quicker. Uh, and the information being, being broadcast uh, on an hourly basis as well to the people. So people can access to those information, and this this uh, network is a kind of official network, and it's also been complemented by uh, the network of air sensor PM two point five air sensor around the country. So that's provide really provide uh, the basic information. Uh, we we also do forecasting for uh, the, the air quality in the next three days, uh, in particular in Bangkok. I think that that's the necess necessary information which we have to know first. And that that uh, been done uh, during the decade, the last decade in order to come up with uh, science-based policies and measures. Uh, the other thing that we are uh, doing uh, differently is that we spend a lot of time trying to find out uh, the source of air pollution. Uh, what are the major source uh, based on area as well, not only in Bangkok, but in some other provinces as well. We have to be able to prioritize the, the air pollution, which one are the most significant, significant uh, uh, 
air pollutant that should be addressed first. Uh, for example, in Bangkok, we, we did uh, many, many emission inventory. Both the source-based emission inventory look at only the source of, of uh, PM2.5 in Bangkok and also the receptor-based uh, inventory as well by looking at uh, also contribution from uh, PM uh, of source outside Bangkok uh, to the PM2.5 level in Bangkok. The combination of these two methods, then we will be able to prioritize the source, the major source of air pollutant in Bangkok, uh, which are located in Bangkok itself and located outside Bangkok. Uh, and that that will, will make uh, the government uh, to address uh, the correct or the right air pollutant to be tackled with first and, and where they are located as well. And in the northern part of Thailand also facing a pollutant problem and that, that also we did the source apportionment, receptor modeling and, and found that uh, major source of that area are different, different from Bangkok. So that uh, different group of measures uh, been, been formulated for uh, the area in the northern part of Thailand. So that's that what we are doing differently in the last decade. And health effect, the effect of air pollutant as well. That's a very, very important and strong information. A lot of health effect study being carried out both in Bangkok and in the northern part and the eastern part of Thailand in order to provide information to the government. It is a strong message to be sent to the government that that the current situation has actually caused uh, impact to the health of the people. And also uh, we, we do the economic analysis of that impact in order to turn the health effect uh, information into uh, monitoring the monetary uh, uh, information to convince the government and, and we are quite successful uh, with all those uh, action we have taken uh, the government in the year two, 2019 declared uh, PM 2.5 as a national agenda and since then uh, we, we start to develop the national action plan uh, to address the problem in accordance with the cabinet resolution and and the uh, uh, clean air national clean air action plan at the national level uh, identify a source of air pollution and then group of measures to uh, address the source uh, of each source uh, what what to do in order to reduce emission from source, focus things on control at the source. But sometimes we need to also implement some of end of the pipe measure as well to tackle uh, in the short term and waiting for the long term uh, measures to be in effect. Thank you very much, Dr. Supat. Uh, clearly, a lot has been uh, done in terms of ensuring that the science of air pollution in Thailand is, is clear and that the National Action Plan is directed uh, 
by the science of air pollution. And what is quite clear is that accountability is, is given to the highest levels of government uh, for the quality of air, including at the provincial level. Thank you so much, Dr. Supat, for, for sharing the experience of Thailand. Now, moving to Bangladesh, Mr. Masood Rana, the State of the Global Air 2020 report states that air pollution, both ambient and household, resulted in an estimated 173,500 deaths in 2019 in Bangladesh. According to the same report, in 2019, around 79% of people in Bangladesh are exposed to household air pollution from the use of solid fuel for heating and cooking. And this contributes heavily to air pollution. And as a result, a Clean Air Act was drafted in the same year, 2019. But as of now, the draft law is still pending before Parliament. Could you share with us the highlights of the new Clean Air Act and what is taking so long for it to get passed? What are the challenges in implementing it and how would we address those challenges? Thank you very much. Several Bangladeshi cities have also been suffering badly from the air pollution and are placed in the list of highly polluted cities reported by the Ordinance Organization and other international air monitoring organizations like Air Visual and the Health Effect Institutes of the USA. The government of Bangladesh has been very serious in recent years to alleviate the pollution problem in the country. Each year, whenever pollution starts to hike at the outset of dry season, some government organizations are found to implement short-term measures to control air quality without hampering the ongoing development works in the cities. Honorable High Court also issued several directives on operating enforcement against high emitting sources and taking other measures to improve the situation. In order to achieve a sustainable pollution reduction mechanism, a draft of Clean Air Act was declared in 2019. Although the Minister of Environment, Forest and Climate Change of the country is now mulling over issuing the same directives as rules named as Air Pollution Control Rules 2021 under the existing Environment Conservation Act 1995. A draft of those rules is already prepared and posted to the website of the Ministry for Public Opinion. Anyone interested may visit the website and download the draft. The draft air pollution control rules 2021 is comprised of 21 points. Some salient features of those are this rule delegates the Department of Environment to formulate a national air quality management plan. Outline of such a plan is also provided in the rules. This management plan would be prepared considering the social economic conditions, topographical variations of different regions, meteorological seasonal variations, and such other important parameters that influence air quality of the region. I believe 
that's healthy management plan would be helpful to provide a sustainable air quality control in the country. The government can also relocate the existing sources from the airship to other suitable places. It is also said that all of the entities in that area will be obliged to follow the air quality improvement plan and other directives that would be taken to improve the air quality in that degraded air shed area. Several directives regarding to the AQM around the sites are also provided in the rules. A high-level national executive committee has been proposed to form under the draft air pollution control rules 2021. The committee will be comprised of secretary-level government officials from the relevant ministries, government institutions, and public universities. This committee will review the air quality management strategies or activities and monitor the progress of the air quality improvement plan taken in the degraded air shape. In the draft rule, there is a provision for awarding a person or institute for outstanding contribution to improve air quality. At the same time, up to two years imprisonment is proposed for a person violating the directives set by the government under the rule. Revision to the ambient air quality standards and to the emission standards of all types of sources have also been proposed in the rule. This is important because the current ambient air quality standard was set about 15 years ago and a revision to it was highly necessary. Existing emission standard for vehicles is really outdated compared to the contemporary world and even to the neighboring countries. Emission standards for several other industries were also not so well defined in the existing rules. So we believe this new set of standards will provide the Department of Environment a good scope of act effectively. These are, in fact, the most important features of the air pollution control rules of 2001. Monitoring and enforcement activities will be increased, and effective measures will have to be taken to improve air quality after these rules have been finalized and notified by government agent. We were uh, really uh, right that uh, it is taking uh, some time to get the rules or laws passed. But normally in government system, passing a new act is really time consuming as it has to go through a number of ministries and scrutinies. Moreover, the Ministry of Environment and Forest and Climate Change or at the beginning in confusion whether a new act is so necessary to achieve the objectives when an Environment Conservation Act 1995, which in fact covers all the components of the environment, including air, is already present. Finally, the Draft Clean Air Act has been reshaped as Air Pollution Control Rules 2021 keeping all the major features of the draft of Clean Air Act. So I hope uh, uh, 
that the air pollution control rules 2021 will be finalized and published by Kazakh notification very soon. However, a very large area of activities will be opened up to implement the points given in the rule. As the primary data says that most of the urban areas of the country quickly violate the air quality standards and will need to be declared as degraded air shade according to the rules. So, uh, preparing air quality management plans for a number of cities and towns and even monitoring the ambient air quality and industrial and humidity emissions will need a great deal of expertise and infrastructure, which will be the major challenges for the implementation of the rule, I think. So, my suggestion is that. The government may expand the air quality monitoring network throughout the country to avoid, uh, to avoid big, ex big expenses. Sensor-based monitors can be installed and satellite data can also be retrieved and analyzed. GIS-based emission inventory in the cities can be initiated at once so that planning could be easily made. So uh, not to go for all the cities at a time, Rather, a city-by-city city application would be effective. If uh, sources of a, of a city pollute its nearby cities, coupling of cities may be considered for preparing the management plan. Finally, uh, there is no alternative to awareness. The more the public will be aware, the greater resistance in reducing air pollution will be expected. Uh, that's all from me. I hope uh, we can succeed in uh, alleviating the air pollution problem in Bangladesh. Thank you. Thank you very much, Masood. And uh, very clearly, the message that I heard from you is that a national policy or a national framework for air pollution management is only the first and critical step. But after that policy is put in place then the real work the real hard work of implementing the policy and engaging the different stakeholders and raising the awareness of the public begins thank you very much now dr ladai samba for mongolia heating and cooking in ulaanbaatar's peri-urban gur districts are the leading sources of air pollution in the city and that's particularly during the winter months. How has this situation arisen? And what pressure, if any, has this placed both on Ulaanbaatar city government and the national government? What initiatives are being taken to minimize the pollution coming from the Gur districts? And how effective have these measures been? Dr. Lodai Samba? Thank you. Okay. You know, the, uh, Mongolia is, uh, in fact, a very clean country, big country, small population. But uh, <clears throat> from the beginning of this century, many poor households were coming to capital city and air pollution was increasing much. As people are nomadic, it's very easy to take them their houses or their gears to the capital city. So population was increasing very quickly. 
and air pollution start increasing very fast. And air pollution in Ulaanbaatar city is strictly seasonal character, only winter time rising much and summertime it's in the standard. Okay, as uh, air pollution start to increase, the people start to feel it and the health impact also getting high. So people start to ask Lombard city government and national government to do to decrease the air pollution. And very first study of air pollution was done 2008 and 2009. And by this uh, study, there was is very good report in the World Bank. This was the first report and by this study also pollution source apportionment was done and it was concluded that main pollution source is household stoves in which we use the hard coal that coal for heating mainly. So many measures was taken to reduce air pollution from this uh, household stores, but I will highlight two main measures of them. First was uh, to improve the stores. The traditional stores was not very good stores and we want uh, to reduce air pollution by changing more improved battery stores. And then stove testing laboratory was established and they start to import food stoves from China, Turkey and other countries and the stove testing laboratory could test and distribute stoves if this stove could uh, decrease the emission, PM emission 80% if compared with traditional stoves. And this, this uh, program was lasting about five years. And the result was uh, about 50% reduction of PM2.5, uh, but still air pollution was very high. So second measure was taken from 2019. That was a complete ban of use uh, raw coal and households start to use the uh, briquette coal from hard coal from Gobi. That was good measure and again, the result was uh, again 50% reduction of PM air pollution 2019-20 winter. But the last uh, Winter was difficult to compare because of COVID. Many people stay home in more firing. That was the result of two measures I wanted to highlight. What is uh, how effective? Okay, this measure was effective about uh, twice uh, decreasing air pollution, but still our air pollution is Ulaanbaatar city is still high now about uh, 60. 
micrograms per cubic meter yearly and sometimes uh, daily air pollution getting about 500 micrograms per cubic meter so still high maybe that is all thank you dr lode samba and so what's very clear is that government and the stakeholders uh, really do need to commit uh, and are doing a lot to reduce air pollution uh, but the, the problem is a complex one and requires uh, other more solutions to really bring down exposure of people and to bring down the pm 2.5 levels so the challenge uh, goes on in mongolia dr ladai samba yes and that's so, right yes okay please and moving to nepal we have here with us Bidya Pradhan from Isimod and Isimod's data shows that there are about 1,300 brick kilns in 2018 in Nepal and that the yearly brick production is significant at 5.14 billion bricks and this industry brick production is regarded as one of the most important yet previously uh, considered polluting and energy-consuming industry. However, sadly, thousands of people died and many old structures, including brick kilns, were destroyed in when a 7.8 magnitude earthquake struck Nepal in 2015. What is interesting to know is that brick kiln technologies improved after the earthquake. What improvements in brick kiln technology were undertaken after this event? And what impact has it, uh, does it have or did it have on air quality? And is there more that needs to be done? Vidya? Thank you, Glenda. Hello, everyone. And I would like to thank Clean Air Asia for giving us opportunity to talk something on the brick kiln. What improvement that uh, the designs uh, you know we had and this was really we had quite a lot of brainstorming on that on this because one most important point is what we considered was uh, because the time frame was quite uh, you know narrow to rebuild this so though we knew that uh, the, these are not uh, the best cleans uh, the best energy uh, efficient ones. We also had already learnings from the vertical shaft brick cleans, which are one of the cleanest cleans. Uh, so what we thought was, uh, and also, you know, the workers, um, they come from the very marginalized community, which has lack of trainings and uh, they cannot uh, absorb uh, the things that uh, we operate in a very you know energy efficient style in the very uh, organized way so that was still lacking and uh, what we thought was we should uh, rebuild it in a way that they are not much different from the usual practice they have been doing so then we started to come up with the zigzag technology which were already there but uh, we did a lot of modification this was 
uh, we were able to do this because we not only the group of engineers we had all sort of engineers in the group we have structural engineers civil engineers environment engineers energy engineers all type of engineers mechanical engineers and uh, a group of entrepreneur who has been you know working in their clinics day and night so so this design was developed uh, by a good uh, you know mixture from both the practical aspect as well as from the engineering side so it's a blend uh, that we were able to give and then what we did was uh, we found out most of the bricklings the walls are very you know not very thick so and most of the accidents sometimes happen and even people die because these walls keep on falling so what we did was from 5 inch wall we tried to build a 18 inch wall which also becomes safe and which also acts like a insulation the second thing what we found was most of the heat loss was from the floor so what we did was we did a good insulation in the floors uh and we already had uh, you know experience of the chimneys becoming you know damage so uh, for chimney um, reinforcement uh, concrete columns and the four in the four corners and uh, later the you know for i mean to build the chimney very fast we did a prefab one which is fire resistant material we used and uh, you know uh, these uh, zigzags this uh, bricklins have gates which was quite narrow uh, so it used to be 2 feet and we you know widen this gate so that uh, even the trucks could come in for loading and unloading and this would also you know be useful uh for the drudgery of the brick entrepreneurs uh, workers so that was uh, the other thing the main thing what we changed was the brick stacking uh we stacked the bricks in the zigzag way so that there was a good mixture of uh, air and fuel for optimum uh, combustion and uh, the other thing what we did was you know the brick when you are firing the brick if you have visited the clin then you see that people fire for uh, some time and then they rest uh, for you know half an hour 20 minutes to half an hour uh, um, uh, until they again pour the coal uh, for the fire uh, to fire the brick so what we did was we found out lost a lot of loss of uh, you know this uh, fuel while doing this type of work so what we did was uh, you know only one man does the uh, you know pours the coal but uh, they will do it continuously and which would uh, you know reduce the amount of coal and uh, they would uh, put the uh, coal continuously so that uh, you know the burning efficiency is much more so these were the major you know um, modification we did in the very old clean and and what we found out was um, i mean people i mean these these are all businessmen so they would not be much bothered about uh, energy efficiency or you know the uh, reduction of pm black carbon co2 so they would not much understand this language but 
what we found out once it becomes energy efficiency the coal consumption they used to um, you know fire the bricks substantially reduced it was reduced to 15 to you know 20% so this was the motivation for all the you know entrepreneurs to follow this technology so you know this was a win win situation one way uh, they were saving a lot of uh, money in the coal because coal is really expensive it's around you know for 1 kg it's around 25 rupees so they were able to save even um, 10 tons uh, Uh, coal uh, in their purchase so that was a big saving for them and surprisingly the other thing was when there is a efficient burning then the brick qualities were very good the breakage was really low and 90 to 95% of the bricks was you know a grade brick so this would fetch them higher rates um, otherwise it used to be around 60 to 70% only so these two things really inspired them to use this follow this technology and uh, i guess uh, in nepal like uh, in kathmandu all the bricklings after earthquake now in kathmandu 100 of them are into this following this exact technology and then Thank you so much Bidya such an inspiring story that has reverberated in terms of impact not just within Kathmandu or Nepal but even across to the other South Asian countries and not just environmental issues of air pollution being addressed but also the other social issues thank you so much for such an inspiring story and now moving uh, to uh another country um i'd like to call on engineer noel hachanova engineer hachanova in 2013 iloilo city started to look at its sources of air pollution and it produced an emissions inventory one major finding which might have been unexpected for many was that indoor air pollution from burning solid fuel in homes and commercial establishments from cooking Uh, was a major source of air pollution in the city prior to the inventory it was assumed that jeepneys the city's popular mode of transport were the main culprits since the city did, does not host any heavy industries now then iloilo started to work with the philippine department of environment and natural resources cleaner asia and other partners to address the city's air pollution problem What city-level programs and initiatives has Iloilo City implemented to improve indoor air quality? And what was the result of these initiatives and programs? And what and how can other cities learn from the example of Iloilo? Engineer Noel? From what you're saying, the survey was really unexpected. We did not uh, anticipate the contribution of indoor pollution and uh, the, sat- the study said that um, around 45% of the total particulate matter emission from uh, are coming from uh, indoor no? and this is due to the use of solid fuel fuel and uh, because of that we, we thought we could focus on a program like 
uh, indoor pollution, uh, indoor air quality. And um, when we started with this, we made a survey, uh, which I will uh, share with you. Um, so, what the survey said that most of our high high income group are using LPG, um, medium uh, income and uh, low income group LPG and uh, charcoal, and most of our low income group are using solid fuel. So very unfortunate. And uh, what we found out is uh, the women and children, mostly girls, are major players in the uh, kitchen. And uh, traditional cook stove are cheap. And uh, it is seen that LPG uh, is a better option because it is more convenient. Uh, also the foundation that around 30 million kilos of solid fuel are being used annually and uh, compared to LPG it's just a mere 3 million only and uh, because of this we developed a plan uh, which we call indoor pollution and quality management plan and the objective is to reduce indoor pollution through a series of information and education campaigns uh, and uh, uh, social mar marketing at the same time and um, coupled with uh, uh, microfinancing and uh, technical support and of course development of partnership with uh, uh, appropriate stakeholders so with this we started our campaign with the development of information and education campaign. We partner with one university. We involve students in developing uh, materials. And uh, after that, we partnered with the DNR, our local national government environment department for funding. And much later, uh, it was also timely because one company approached us and this company happened to develop a canister size uh, LPG that can be carried around and are affordable. So we also partnered with them. And <clears throat> this afterwards, we embark on a campaign in the community level. In the community level, we were able to develop a business model whereby we involve distributors and um, retailers in our campaign to reduce air pollution. We enjoined them help us educate our constituents, make them aware about the danger of um, indoor air pollution. So this campaign is uh, supported by information education materials that were developed by the students and 
this helped them a lot. Um, actually, this program of ours uh, has been temporarily uh, suspended due to the pandemic. But last year, this is an ongoing campaign and we were able to reach out to more than 5,000 to 7,000 households already with uh, uh, about 80% of these converting already to um, affordable LPG for cooking. So uh, this is a campaign that we are still um, contemplating to launch even during this pandemic. Um, there are other innovations that have come up. Some other companies have already come up with affordable LPG containers. And uh, this is a, a, a very good indication that uh, LPG companies are realizing also that uh, the poor sector uh, need to avail of uh, affordable uh, size uh, LPGs. And, you know, people are really aware that LPG, LPG is much cleaner than um, 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 traditional coke stove. So what about traditional coke stove? We have a number of entrepreneurs promoting this. Problem is, um, there is not much fun to help them also uh, in the selling of these things. Uh, but we try also to help them prom promote this through workshops and other things, other means of uh, promotional campaign so that uh, other people can be aware of uh, uh, the, the value of effective uh, cooking. Um, as in sometimes in 2016, ADB joined us in our campaign through a survey that they did to um, 27 villages here in the city, uh, which uh, the survey is all about uh, this time more scientifically uh, done and uh, they brought in instruments to measure indoor pollution. So what we have in 2013, which is a, a result of inventory, um, uh, emission inventory, I mean, was later confirmed by a group of surveyors from the University of the Philippines that truly the uh, indoor pollution is something that we have to seriously take into account. Um, we wanted to scale up this program by involving other environment officers all over the country. And in 2020, we started to organize a national summit. It's uh, ADB. Uh, wanted to support and uh, also clean air Asia. But unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we were unable to 
uh, hold this uh, national summit. So this is all about our indoor pollution campaign. We hope to continue this and uh, hopefully we can scale this up uh, in the near future, share what we have done to other cities and other environment officers who are managing their air quality. Okay, so thank you uh, for giving us the, this opportunity to uh, share the best practices. Thank you very much, Engineer Noel. And uh, it is really great to see how the work that you have done, both to reduce air pollution, but also to safeguard the health impacts of indoor air pollution, has uh, impacted more than 5,000 households in the city. And uh, we hope that the program continues beyond the, the pandemic. Okay, so thank you to all of our guests for joining us today for this insightful discussion. We hope our listeners will stay tuned for more episodes in the coming months our on-air podcast is released on the first Monday of the month on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you all next time.